Hi, I'm Matt Quinn. Thanks for joining us for season two of Decision Point from Ivy Publishing at the Ivy Business School. Over the next few weeks, we'll bring in expert guests to help us explore the critical importance of covering equity, diversity, and inclusion through the case method. This effort takes many forms from confronting problematic brands to reflecting the real world in the cases we write and teach. This summer, Quaker Foods North America announced that the Aunt Jemima image and name would be retired. The move came after weeks of mounting public pressure, part of a wider reckoning with institutionalized racism across America, following the police killing of George Floyd. Today, we're joined by Joseph Miller, professor and chair of the Marketing and Sales Department at St. Ambrose University, and Michael Stanko, Associate Professor of Innovation and Marketing at North Carolina State University's Poole College of Management. Alongside Poole MBA student Miriam D. Diallo, the pair authored a free case to grapple with the history of this 130-year-old brand titled Reckoning with Jemima, Can the Brand Be Remade for Good? During this conversation, we explore their tips on how to have conversations about race in a case class, unpack some of the why behind decades of inertia on Jemima and similar brands, and most importantly, how we look forward. Mike and Joe, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I want to dive right into the case and the real dilemma here. So Quakers faced criticism for the 130-year-old brand as early as the 60s. So this isn't something that's so new. Recent events, however, and, and broader change are really forcing the company's hand to, to change its products. In the case, how do you frame the decision point? Because this is the thing we always come back to is, how did you frame these things? How did you come up with a decision point? I guess the, the, the frame here is, why would a company uh, choose to keep around Aunt Jemima when it has such a nebulous history, but at the same time, they're not putting much into the promotion of the company, so what should they do moving forward? You know, Aunt Jemima is the number one, uh, you know, producer of pancake and pancake accessories like syrup. If it's number one, you don't want to lose it, but at the same time, what does it take to have to get rid of that and, and to replace it with something else? What, what's involved in the decision criteria there? And so what are some of the, so if I'm a student and I'm going through the case in, in the class, what are some of the other turning points that I'm going to have to put myself through sitting in the, the chair of a decision maker? What can I expect from the case? Because it's always neat to see the different uh, plot twists, if you will. Yeah. Thanks, Matt, for for having us here. To me, there's there's a bunch of twists that students are going to dive in, right? And for many students in, in a marketing class, they're really used to the right answer is the most profitable answer. And here, the ethical conundrums say, hey, maybe we need to look at some, some other possibilities. So an exciting thing for me was to see where students were falling and how the discussion was happening between students who I'll call profit optimizers and those that that were simply not going to be led down a decision where they viewed the ethics as murky. So I think that was an exciting part of, of the conversation. There's also some interesting themes about you know, the corporate culture, the inertia, um, and the, the questions of what about these other brands, these other assets that that Quaker and or Pepsi um, could bring into the equation to to rescue this one if they if they chose to. 
And so, Mike, I want to dive a little deeper here into, you know, there's the case part of it, but then there's how do we tackle, you know, leading a class, the larger historical and social context. Do you have any tips for those, you know, that have the case in hand and want to bring this to the classroom or and are just really curious and maybe some are struggling with how do you tackle these contexts, these, these social side of it, you know, like you said, outside of the marketing discussion? Yeah, and I I know after I give my thoughts here, I'll be interested in Joe's because we, we come at this one from a, a bit of a different angle. For me, I like to be real clear with my students that I don't view myself as an, as an expert in diversity, as an expert in American history. Um, you know, I certainly don't by any means pretend that I understand the Black experience in, in America. And, and I think telling students that is helpful, right? I start the conversation with, you know, uh, a few minutes about my own journey and and trying to understand, um, you know, biases that that I'm sure I, I've got going on and how I view diversity as important and frankly important enough to motivate some uncomfortable conversations. Um, so we we discuss, you know, the a respectfulness that is going to be important for the conversation that is going to follow and, and for all case conversations, but that's heightened uh, when, when you get into this particular case. Um, and then, you know, just the importance of diversity. Uh, we connected the pool college that uh, where I work, where I teach, uh, diversity is, is a strategic objective. It's something that we we're really focused on. Um, and I can connect to that and say, hey, you know, the, the business, um, the returns from diversity, the, the research shows that. Uh, and, and because of that, you need to be educated in some of these diversity conversations. And the uncomfortable conversation we're about to have is, is part of that. And to me, at least, that led to fewer questions of, of why are we doing this? I had a, a lot of students that were diving into it from different angles, each of them bringing their own experiences with diversity. Um, and it made for an interesting, sometimes passionate conversation. So I, I really like that you shared with the students, like, here's your honest background on it. Here is your, uh, you're just saying you're not an expert on this. So you're setting the stage and you're, you know, being authentic as a leader. Joe, what do you think? What strikes, a, a, how do you handle the social context in your discussions in the classroom? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on diversity either, but I tell you what, I have been walking around in black skin for all of my 50 years. And uh, you know, I never really articulated this before, but I'm going to tell you something. A lot, you know, right before we started working on the Aunt Jemima case, I had this really um, deep conversation with my own wife. Uh, you know, I'm I'm black. I'm I'm you know grew up in Detroit or in and around Detroit for most of you know my upbringing. My wife is uh, is white, and she grew up in rural rural Michigan. Mm -hmm. And she said that when we met when we were 18 years old. She now realizes that she said a lot of things and acted in a lot of ways that would be like really, really offensive to me, but she didn't really know she was doing it. Mm. And she had no experience with having ever, you know, had been put in the opportunity to think about what things were like from the perspective of another. But she just really liked me and she, she wanted to, you know, she, she wanted to be with me. And, and, you know, she was, she told me at one point, I'm really glad that you put up with me. Now, believe me, she was far from insufferable. She was, she was really great. But no, I mean, the the fact that uh, she said that it really kind of guided my insight into what our responsibilities are as educators. Um, 
when I teach cases like this, but really to tell you the truth for my entire professorial career, I really try to, you know, put students in the minds of other people and to what it's like to be them. And there's a lot of history that gets kind of like uh, swept under uh, and the history of, of uh, you know, you know, of things that lead to some, some of the decisions that we make in the corporate boardrooms now that we don't really consider in the classroom because it's either something that we just don't have, you know, we find that we don't have time to do or we find that it's just too difficult to do it. So I see this this Aunt Jemima case, and really, to tell you the truth, how I've kind of changed my teaching orientation to be one in which I I say, listen, I'm responsible in some small way for bringing the next generation of business leaders up. And, you know, they have to be living in a world that contains this. And it contains, you know, certain degrees of, you know, it it will contain issues of race, of, of, uh, of, of sexual orientation. Of, of, of gender identity, um, you know, what can I do to make it so that they make more informed decisions in the future and take all the factors into account? And that's my standpoint for this. And, and how, how have the students reacted? Has, you know, how have you handled the challenging um, conversations? You know, what has been the reaction or the, the major aha moments? You know, what have you seen? You're talking about with this case in particular or with yeah. that approach? Yeah, with, with this case in particular. And then let's talk about the broader broader approach as a responsibility for those that lead the class. Well, I'll tell you, uh, my experience in teaching the case has been actually kind of limited. I, I've, I've taught one MBA class where I've used it, but that class was a um, was a asynchronous online class. Okay. And in this, uh, so what I did, I had them write, uh, you know, case write-ups, and then I had them, you know, a subset of the students create a video. And the video, I mean, they were very, you know, they were very forthright in discussing some of the nuances of the case. I mean, they didn't have any trouble uh, discussing that. But it seemed as if uh, they were a lot more um, candid in the written assignment. And so Mm -hmm. my takeaway from that is, even without them really realizing it, I think that they have an easier time when their faces aren't attributed to it than when they're just writing things. And that explains a lot, like with regard to internet behavior and stuff like that, how we're very comfortable writing things when our faces aren't there than when we have to go on camera and speak them. Mike, what about you? Yeah, well, first, Joe, you're you're selling yourself a little bit short on that one. So Joe was good enough to join. Um, I ended up leading four discussions of this case this semester and joe joined us for the two online discussions um oh yeah we we did uh two discussions uh in person with you know physical distancing and and whatnot and two online uh and joe was good enough to uh to hop on we taught those together which was uh, a wonderful experience um in terms of what what surprised me from students what you know, I, I, I was definitely nervous uh, going into these conversations. How is this going to go? They impressed me. They were respectful of the content. They understood that respecting this content means coming prepared with an opinion that you can back up based on this. Um, there was a, a diversity of, of, of what they wanted to do going forward. We certainly spent some time on the question of why did change take so long here? Uh, and I think for some of those students, 
that felt like a that felt like a justifiable condemnation of of Quaker and and Pepsi, but that wasn't our focus. Our focus is on what to do going forward, um, and that was where we had a, a range of of options uh, and a and a healthy a healthy dialogue. I think at the end, at least of of one particular conversation, I can I can recall, there was a a real sense of just it's important for me to take away from this conversation that a company that does a lot of good things and a lot of smart things continued in this questionable ethical way for many, many years. Mm. And, you know, a sense that, hey, we need to bring rigorous ethical decision-making to our lives because this is maybe part of what happens if we don't. And, and you know, that speaks directly back to, Joe, what you were saying, too, that, you know, we're creating these situations in the classroom, whether they be online or physically in the classroom, to prepare leaders to make decisions to drive companies to change and then the communities to change. Joe, you mentioned you have the sense of responsibility for bringing up, uh, you know, well-informed, thoughtful leaders that are coming up. You know, you mentioned a change in approach. What have you noticed come with students coming out of the classroom? Is it, you know, is it, is it impacting the way that they think in the way you thought it would? What have you noticed? You know, uh, to tell you the truth, Matt, one, one of the big issues with me is that I understand that for a lot of students, I can be a lot. You know, I, you know, I, I teach in, a, in, in the state of Iowa, and, uh, you know, a lot of them you know, come from, you know, small towns and, and so forth, and, and, they, and they experience me. My, I see a part of my job as, as defined by the Joe Keogh, the guy who hired me here. He said, we want to make students uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, like, so, so you know, when I, when I talk to them, I, I, I get them to have dialogue in class a lot. And I, I try to really challenge them in class a lot because, uh, frankly, a lot of them have never had that before. Now, when dealing with race, I'll say, listen, um, there's not much you can say that's going to really insult me. But we have to have these discussions because I, I want to I want to see you be successful and to make good decisions when you leave here, and I need for you to trust me enough to allow me to talk to you about these things. Hmm. And it takes a long time. I got to tell you, it, you know that that general approach to getting you know getting that degree of earnestness from students takes maybe two thirds of every term to to really get there. But once, you know, I'm in a point in the semester right now, for instance, at the end of the term where we're, we're having such great conversations now because it took this long to really build to this point, to be able to talk about stuff like this. And, you know, I, I, I got to rethink about when I actually give them the Aunt Jemima case. I gave it to my students early, but maybe later, next time. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, I guess maybe I'll contrast that with, I don't want to say it's a it's a story of me chickening out, but it's, it's certainly a story where my sensitivity, my uncomfortableness here, um, led me to pull back on some of the, some of the content that I had planned on, on using. So for those that, that have gotten the teaching note for this case, there's a role-playing exercise we have in there with, um, with Quaker and the NAACP, um, which is, you know, it, it. I certainly can see it provoking some interesting conversations. And in all of my 
online discussions. I used breakout rooms with different role-playing activities. Uh, and this was the one case I, I looked at it, uh, I thought about it, and I said, I honestly, I, I don't want them having these conversations without me present in the breakout mm. room. I'm just not sure where it's going to go. And so I pulled back. I just, just cut that from our agenda. And there was plenty of other things to talk about. But maybe I'll I'll contrast this with with that story of of pulling back. So it's teaching this case is is not a story of unbridled confidence and going in different directions. There's certainly a way to teach this case with a complete focus on branding uh, and the choice going forward. And then there's the choice to teach this case where it's dives into um, a lot more history dives into a lot more of the organizational inertia, the ethical decision making, uh, and so on. And I, you know, that's that's the great thing about case teaching is, um, you know, the instructor makes it his own or her own. So, yeah, and so we've heard, you know, to make it a space where students feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Do you think we should be pushing authors and and faculty to be uh, continue to push to feel uncomfortable in some of these discussions? What do you think? Because that's come up in other discussions that I've had about, oh, should we include this or not? And I'm not 100% comfortable. You know, how much should we be pushing it? We have to be able to, you know, encourage faculty. Well, I, I don't, first of all, I, I think that in the general sense, I think that we tend to be kind of risk averse in how we and how we decide to, to carry on conversations with students. And I think that there's probably a long standing, you know, you know, calculus of, of reasons why that is. But, you know, I keep on thinking about, the, you know, starting this with the end in mind. What, what kind of students are, do we want to put out there? We've been having a lot of discussions at St. Ambrose about, you know, redefining our purpose. Like what, what kind of people do we want to put out there after they graduate? And, you know, for me, I'm always in all these meetings, I'm always thinking about, well, I, I really want someone to be representing, you know, you know uh, more holistic approaches to everything, you know, uh, you know, considering all these factors that we don't really find that we have time to discuss. And, you know, I, I think that there has to be some kind of change in who we are when we ask that of our students. It's absolutely necessary. So we have to kind of trend towards getting getting our you know our professoriate to be more um well willing to take on stuff like this mm -hmm. mike what do you think yeah I, I mean so i've talked to some of some of my colleagues both both here and at other schools and they they've seen what are what i'm doing and some just say that's great and don't say much and some some really want to dive into it and teach it and then i've had a few honest folks say to me I'm not going to teach that. I don't want to end up on the front page of whatever my local newspaper is mm. um, because a student got carried away or I say something stupid or or what have you. So, I mean, they're called difficult conversations for a reason. I think in preparing the case and writing the case, we certainly felt a responsibility to be as fair as we could to everyone while being real with history. Um, so that that was a challenge as well. Uh, I mean, there's a certain there's a certain element of personal teaching style and and how far you are willing to go from from your own subject matter expertise. I think it's probably fair to say that I stay 
I stay closer to to what I know in marketing than than Joe, who is a little a little braver in this regard. So I, I want to dig a little bit at you know what what was it about this company or this uh, particular challenge? Like why was it this case? What was it that spoke to you two to go? Okay, we're going to write this one of all the you know cases you could choose. What was it that hooked you in about? this was it the company was it the newness of it because again this was turned around very quickly by you guys and a great job on that but was there something that stood out they go this is we got to tackle this yeah maybe i'll i'll start with a a story of a facebook post and joe can take it from there but um so so i was you know we're we're not cool enough for for instagram or maybe joe is and i'm just not um but i was on I facebook i was on facebook one day and uh, I saw Joe made a post about the Onion article, which had been, I don't know, five days or a week previous, and just commenting how the Onion article had, in some ways, predicted the the Pepsi and Quaker Oats announcements about the the coming changing of the brand. Um, and I I looked at this, and you know, to me, as someone who's passionate about case teaching, case writing, you look at the story of uh, a problematic brand that's announced a change but hasn't told you what that change is and instantly you know the genesis of a, a case study is born and so i responded to joe's post and i said do you want to write a case study with me and he responded <laughs> via meme <And> the meme <laughs> said the meme said i'm not sure if you're being sarcastic <laughs> and then I clarified that I was I was in fact being real and a, a couple of days later we really got got started with it and built a built a framework and um you know 2 weeks after that we had a, a it was a rough draft but it was a it was a full one um you know I I guess maybe I'll take the chance while I'm talking about the writing process we really have to thank the the people who were writing about this not just years but decades before we were Right, the historians talking about um, talking about these images and the the history. Um, there were editorials, you know, fifteen twenty years ago to get rid of this brand, and and we could build off all of that material. So when you're writing a, a secondary case, or some people call it a library case, you're you're only as good as the material you can find. And and we were thankful to build on years and years and years of of writing that came before us. It was totally unbeknownst to us at the time. I mean, you know, one of the things that Mike and I often, you know, say casually is, you know, we used to use Aunt Jemima and didn't think anything of it. I mean, it was, I used it all the time growing up. I really didn't know there was a problem with Aunt Jemima until too long before we actually started writing the case. I mean, I kind of knew there may have been a nebulous history, but I didn't, I wasn't able to exactly mm -hmm. triangulate what the, what the source of that was. But I'll tell you this, one thing about Professor Stenko that I really love is that he really undersells um, how much of a taskmaster he is on this stuff. I mean, he really just, you know, as soon as I said, as soon as, soon as I sent him the meme, not sure if serious, I mean, he was at work. I mean, he was like ready to work on this stuff and he hits me with all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, well, let's go. He's, he's like, we're doing this. And I said, yeah. And, he, and all of a sudden he's giving me all this work. And so we worked on that thing really hard for like two weeks, oh. uh, just it, trying to mix a, a, a you know, a, a deadline of something, a, 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 a conference, but to try it out. But I mean, we really worked hard because we understood that in order to, 
to get you know this into classrooms uh by the time time semester started we had to put it out there really quickly yeah with with the um when we knew that a lot of american schools were going to start the fall semester early um because of covid and we had the the realization about the same time that this could be really powerful in in driving important conversations for future leaders um and all of a sudden the other things at least for me maybe this is why i became such a taskmaster was <laughs> all the other things i was working on just just kind of seemed like they paled in comparison to to the importance of this work and so for for those couple of weeks as we as we put that rough draft together i, I i'll be honest i don't I don't pull the night shift after I put my kids to bed too often, but we were, we yeah, were pulling we those for, for a few weeks there. And I had some, some interesting history books on my, on my reading shelf. And it was, it was certainly a labor of love. I mean, for a lot of people, and I think Joe said it earlier, uh, th this summer, this spring with everything going on, a lot of people were thinking, you know, what can I do? And I guess at the, at the point where I realized there could be, important conversations that come as a result of this and, and that probably led me to pouring myself uh into this pretty pretty heartily um you know and we of course we can always do more we always need to do more but certainly um this is a start and what was the drive uh the, the case is free it's been released for free you've released it in, in kind of some multiple different places what was behind that decision was this back to it's our responsibility to to grow the next generation of leaders uh how did that conversation go we don't want there to be any constraints that are placed at all in that that uh where a professor would not want to you know have this conversation because we think it's really important uh, and if cost is an issue with that, we don't. We would. We would prefer to have that that uh, that issue be removed. We really want this discussion to happen, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Aunt Jemima. But I mean, I think that that's a great um, a, a great springboard into some really good conversations about what some of the big issues are going to be going forward from here on out. Now, well, having go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um... I guess this is a, a good chance to thank Ivy for, you know, helping to helping to push this case out there for yeah. free to to all students, because um, that's a that's a big move uh, for Ivy and the the platform giving um, giving a, a push to it is is you know is big in terms of getting this to more students. When we hear from from students from instructors, um, and you know, it's great to have a case you wrote used in a top business school. That's awesome. But the idea that there are some high school students using this, there are community college students using this, and that free price tag is really meaningful <laughs> to a high school classroom. Um, so to me, that was really rewarding. And, you know, I, I, I will say the, the last thing we wanted to do was look like we were trying to profit from um, from from this story. So um we think there can be some important conversations here and um, hopefully that price helps. And it is, it is important and it's uh, uh, we're very happy to do this and again, help have further discussion in any ways that, uh, that, that we can, because our cases in the library really have to reflect the communities and the viewpoints and the different challenges uh, around the globe. Cause that's where our students are. So that's uh thank you for bringing it uh, to us. 
My last question for both of you is having gone through this process of you know, coming up with the idea to emoji to <laughs> uh, writing it in two weeks and getting it out there. Has has it changed or do you think this will change the approach for the next case that you write? Has has this process in, in tackling this subject you know, changed anything in you as authors? I can tell you that this is my first major case. I mean, Mike Stenko has a, a pretty good history of doing cases. But it will not be my last. I mean, the uh, the process of, of of case writing, I found uh, this summer really appealed to me, and I really, you know, I, I'm thinking all the time now about like things that I could do in terms of a case analysis that I never really thought of much before. Um, I, I, you know, to be able to retell the story of some 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 business pro uh, business problems. And to be able to frame it for students in a way that's uh, amenable for discussion, I think really appeals to me. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, thanks, Joe. The The big thing I learned looking back at the process, right, and, and to be fair, two weeks to a first draft, and there was some some iteration after that that was was important, but slowing down is is really important to getting the story right so there's there's a balance we're trying to strike between this is this is urgent material and we want to have these discussions soon but we've got to be fair to everyone involved we've got to slow down we've got to triple check things um so that that was a big learning for me was you know you got to go as, as slow as you need to go to get the to get the story uh, the story right. Testing with students, uh, I coach a case team, and we tested it um, fairly early with with that team with that team of four or five students, and you learn a lot because you're you're starting to see the story um, through through their eyes, which was powerful in shaping how we wanted to change it from there. Um, you know, it, if I had even more time, I would love to to put it in another instructor's hands and see see how uh, they ran the class with it uh, and what I could take from that. But again, you're you're balancing, you know, urgency, your own time demands, um, and it's it's uh, you know, I I said this to my own students. Um, you know, I, I figure I've probably got 20 years left in my teaching career. And, you know, when it comes time for that last semester, I'm picking out the, the case studies I'm going to go with for that last semester. I think this one's probably probably going to come out. Um, and I, I told Joe, I, I felt pretty uncomfortable, but just so I would have the props for that case, I went to Amazon and I bought myself a bottle of syrup and a box of pancake mix um, and I felt awful doing so but I've got them in a sealed bag now so for in 20 years given that my undergrad students in 20 years are just being born now um, I'm sure they're going to look at this case and say this can't even be real how how could this have even happened yeah. um, and we're going to say this is what I grew up with eating pancakes um, you know and I think I think this is one of the cases that I'll I'll be happy to to go out on a teaching career with. Well, Mike, Joe, this has been fantastic learning about this process. What I would encourage the listeners to do is check out the case, use the case, and then get in touch with us. Let us know how did this go. Let us know what did you see? How did your students react? Because uh, that's, you know, we can keep adding 
uh, experiences to this. And that's what this is really about, to, to bring it to as many classrooms as possible. So thank you again for your work in, in putting the case together. And again, taking uh, such pride in the responsibility of growing the next generation of leaders. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Matt. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Decision Point on Spotify or wherever you listen. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to cases, resources, and more. Have any feedback? Send us an email at cases at iv.ca.